What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Miltrick Media. I'm here with New York City comedian Joe Naimoli. Joe, how you doing? Sean, happy to be here. Happy thanks, to be- Thanks for having me. Of course. Yeah, thank <laughs> you so much for, uh, for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Uh, so how's everything been? How How's your 2021 been? Bumpy. Bumpy. I feel like everyone else's. That's a great <laughs> adjective, yeah. Bumpy, rocky, uh, undetermining... Uh, uh, no, oh, but, stressful. Oh, sure. for sure. But no, speak. I mean, like, it's cool. I met you recently at the Hop Shop. Um, at, yeah, at a performance at the Hop Shop, like a week or two ago. I think it was yeah the holiday party, and you performed there. It was like a Thursday. Yes, yes. And sorry, that was the first time I saw you. And yeah, you had a great set. That was really enjoyable. So, when did you start? Um, as a, it's okay. When? How long ago did you start uh, as a comedian? How long ago did you start? I fucked that question up. No, wow. I don't. I, yeah, it's funny. Don't. <laughs> How long have you been a comedian? When did you first start? Uh, stand-up comedy at probably 2012. Cool. Uh, acting 2010, a, a few years before. I actually tried out for last comic standing in 2010, uh, and I was god-awful. So I didn't really – like I just blindly went into the city when they had one of the auditions, yeah. not knowing anything about it. And I remember the first, like there's the couple of rounds once you, once you get in after you wait online forever. And I didn't make it past the first round, but, and I was like timid and scared. I was talking like this, you know, cause I, you know, I didn't want to, I was embarrassed of my own voice and uh, clearly not now, but uh, I remember the woman said, she goes, you have funny ideas. She goes, you just have to be more sure of yourself. So that was like, oh, you know, it was like a kick, but that's what you, that's what I needed because I was garbage and I had no, no experience doing it. So then like those two years, I kind of mustered up enough courage to start doing it. And believe it or not, I, I was at an old job and a friend of mine, we were talking in the, in the back room. We used to work retail and I said, I always wanted to be a stand-up comedian. And he goes, you know, me too. And we kind of just like looked at each other and then said, you know what? We looked up an open mic and we went that night, you know, bombed again, clearly. On impulse, you just went to your first performance. After the mic. shift, we, it was like 10 o'clock at night. We went straight to the city. We found an open mic. And then, That's uh, awesome. uh, and we, we, from then on, I was like, all right, let's, let's do it. And you went with you, so, and you went to a place in Manhattan. Do you remember the name of the open mic, where it was in the city? Oh my goodness. It was, it was, uh, um, one of the improv, it was one of the big improv, um. Oh, it was like Upright Citizens Brigade? What's the other one? wasn't ucb it was uh, i know the pit. it was an open mic at the pit the pit okay and uh and we were yeah the, i believe it was the pit and we were just awful but i always wanted to do it yeah and i said i didn't want to be one of those guys that get older and then they say <clears throat> you know ah, oh, you know if if i could do it again or oh, you know if what a, if i if i could do this and it's like okay i this is you, you've seen you it all before regrets, yeah. i said no i said even if i do it and I stink or it doesn't work out, at least I can say I did it and yeah. I tried, gosh darn it. Oh, at for least sure. I tried. Yeah. And uh, and that's we're still in the trying, you know, even though it's almost ten years later, we're still in the trying. But it's 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 still fun. That performance, how how old are you? Late teens, early twenties? Oh, uh, I wish. I didn't have it. I think I was twenty four or twenty five. Which is it seems young, but now there's people that start eighteen, nineteen, which like I'm I'm like I'm applauding them. Like, I, know, I wish yeah. I had the you know that the does guts blow my mind. It. But it is like, of course, I'm proud. Yeah, uh, so much has changed so much rapidly. Yeah, people are yeah they're starting, but it doesn't matter what age. There is no time limit. That's the no, best part. You can yeah. do it whenever you you know you get the bug. Yeah. What is um? Because I've seen videos of some of like my favorite comedians on YouTube, and I've seen it, but I don't know what it is. What is Last Comic Standing? Last Comic Standing was a American Idol for comedians. Oh, almost. okay. And I think it was on. Um, but I don't know if it was on ABC or NBC or whatever, but it was a, a very similar competition like last, like yeah. American Idol for comics. And they, they had it, and I think it was everywhere, but I went on the, the audition in New York City. But that was like as I started this, because we all have like that little whisper of what we want to do. You know, it never like sure. screams at you. Or I think this is a Spielberg quote, but it, stuff comes to you like a whisper. Yeah. And you have to, you know, really go with it. And I feel like I, or, we, or like a nudge. And I was always, you would always have like little hints of like, you know, you should maybe do this or maybe go. And sometimes we don't always act on it, whether it's family telling you, ironically, sometimes it's the ones that you love or that love you the most that don't always know what's best for you. Mm-hmm. You know, the parents, sometimes I feel a lot, they always yeah. want the best for you, but don't know the best for you. So I think after listening to them and then after going, all right, well, what's the alternative? Well, maybe I can do both. And I was, 
so far, you know, I can't show, I can't even shut it off. I have all the comics that I know you had Donnie on here before. Yeah. A lot of comics that I talk, that I talk to with that still go to Donnie's, that go to Donnie's, uh, um, open mic and shows, uh, a friend of mine, John Elias, I perform with him. He's a comedy, uh, um, co-writer of mine. We write each other's sets. Uh, I always tell, I think every comedian goes, I'm done. I'm quitting. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm over it. I'm done. And I go, he says it almost as much, probably more than me. And I go, John, try. Try to just walk away from it. And he goes, I can't. I said, well, then stop stop freaking staying it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? That's how I feel with, like, music and producing. And I, I, the pandemic made me fall more in love with comedy and, like, the creation. Like, I've, some of my favorite content creators are comedians. It's like the game has changed so much. And I guess Evolved, where it includes that. But I want to go back to... Talking about your first performance, so it was the open mic was your very first performance. Do you remember the exact feeling you had before? Did you feel the adrenaline? Were you nervous as fuck? Like, do you remember what you felt before going up on the stage for the first time? Oh, sheer terror. Oh, sheer, sheer terror? terror. You're, you're mortified. And it, I had done plays in, in college, so it's this, like the performance wasn't different. But when, you, when you're acting, you have a script. You know, you have memory lines you're going to memorize. I mean, stand-up is all is very similar too, depending on on your style and what you do. But this was our first time out of the gate. We just we were literally. Uh, um, I used to work at Victoria's Secret. We were censoring bras before that, so it was like there wasn't a whole. And I eventually wrote a bit about it, but right then and there, I was paranoid. I was yeah. like, what am I going to talk about? Um, That's like when I played my first show with my with a band. I used I played clarinet in like fourth and fifth grade, like. Huh. Little chubby kid with fucking long hair and glasses. <laughs> the reeds. The reeds. The reeds. Remember yeah. the reeds. Got splinter on my tongue one time in 2008. <laughs> I never forgot it. But basically that too. And I remember like I was in like an alt rock band, like, you know, whatever. And we played like a show right here on Bay Street. But I was like 16. And uh, yeah, I was horrible. First show. But, like, you know, because it was my first show. It was fun as hell. I was excited. But looking back, I probably wasn't that great. But you had to go past it. Right. But would you say, so your family was very supportive of you becoming a comedian. You said your friends. Not or was first. it your family? Not first. They pushed you. Were they like, Joe, you're funny as fuck. You should be a comedian or what? No. They, oh, they were like, Joe, don't do this. Oh, don't do this. Uh, are you serious? Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, you know, there's no, like they clearly were always joking around. And I think they, they low-key supported it. But they want, they always want you to pursue other things for, you know, they didn't, and I think it was hard for them to realize that you can have your passion and your, your, your job. You know, you yeah. can have, you can work and still do something on the side for, which I think is, you have to, I think everybody should have something in between work and their, and their, you know, family that makes you get up in the morning besides, yeah. you know, the, the, the other two. And your job or whatever you do, like your job, that can also fuel your passion, your creative career. It depends on how you make it work. It could definitely work. Right. There right. is no one path. You find a way. Or some know? people are, they're in the camp where- no, there is no plan B. The only plan B is plan A. And more power to you. Like, I've heard that too. I heard that if you can't, you know, don't have a plan B because yeah. then you'll never, you know, I'll, yeah. I'll get back to you in, in, you know, 50 years, 40 I'll get back years, to you. 10 exactly. years, however it might, you know, might be. Uh, but I don't know. But I, I've we've seen mixed results with everybody. You know, that sure. I feel like not, not everybody has to go through the same uh, uh, blueprint, you know, as a, to get yeah. to what they want. Um, so what are your biggest influences as a comedian? Oh gosh, uh, I guess growing up, I, I really struck a chord with George Carlin, and right now, and, and Robin Williams. I feel like everybody said, and then late, later on, Patrice O'Neill. Mm -hmm. I feel Patrice O'Neill and George Carlin were, were two of the same. You know, they were yeah. able to be real, and 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 not sugarcoat anything. And no matter who you were, you went. Even if it didn't make you laugh, you were, which it always did, but you were engaged, and that's what. Some people had said at certain shows, they go, not that, and I can tell, not that they were laughing, but nobody's looking at their phone. You know, I've done sets where <clears throat> people get bored. I remember when I first started, and later on, somebody was like, oh, you're engaging. So I said, okay, fine. As long as I'm engaging, mm -hmm. then I'll work on being funny, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, obviously, you want both. But Carlin was was always, I always like had him like CDs of his, his books, Brain Droppings, and Napalm and Silly Putty. Uh, I would read them back and forth. He was yeah. one of the first I heard of as well because he was huge from the 70s to the 90s. And my father, and I think one of my uncles liked him, but he was so famous in the 90s and early 2000s when you had still like those huge 
pay-per-view HBO specials, he was one of the first comedians I heard of as well. Oh yeah, well he was he was doing it from he was on he was the hippy dippy weatherman I think in the sixties or seventies. Yeah, and if you watch his early early stuff, <clears throat> excuse me, if you watch his early stuff, he goes he totally trans like he he changed. I mean, it's, but he changed for the better because he started to get more and more I guess real. I didn't even know? know Robin Williams was a comedian only because you know I was born in ninety seven, so I knew of Robin Williams at first. From like a lot of great movies he was in that was like those PG, PG-13. Like I remember he was Mrs. Doubtfire. I remember he was in that movie RV. I was like eight. So like I didn't even know he was a comedian. I remember I discovered some old clips and he was he was hilarious. But it's like that energy and the Mork and Mindy era, like it's wild. It's it's yeah. You were born in 97? Yeah. Not to yeah. cut you off. Oh my God. Yeah, not the surefire way to make somebody feel ancient. Holy shit. Uh, my bad. See, I don't like to always say it. <laughs> For like nineties kid. That's all right. I uh, um Yeah, well then how the heck would you know? Yeah, you're even born in ninety seven. It's same VHS, thing for me. lot There's, of cable, hacking parental controls. Right, right. That's how we figured it out. Two thousand five was fucking wild west for this technology. They well, yeah, everything exploded. And I didn't know what I was doing. Um I was born in eighty six, but how the heck when I, I we know from what our parents say and then what eventually would be put on TV. I didn't have cable when I was I was, I was the youngest up. cousin too, so like all of my cousins, my dad was like like on my dad's side, bigger family, like from that side of the first cousins, like they were all born between the late seventies to like exactly that year, I believe. So okay, like so I was the youngest. Around their ideas. So it was like I was surrounded by some of their influences. Huh. I guess when I was younger, right? Of course, the, the media, like, television, yeah, right. What they music. like, what, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And Rob Williams was. Uh, I feel like all these everybody starts out. Well, a lot of them start out as stand-up comedians and then yeah. they get small roles in, in television and then it progresses to, to theater and everything else. But, you know, and then <clears throat> Carlin and Rob Williams live on Broadway, I believe it was 2001. So it was Carlin's uh, specials in the early 90s and then Robin was, so that's when I, those are the ones I first saw. And then obviously I, as YouTube and, and other stuff, I guess I came out, You would, everybody looks up stuff on online. And then Rob Williams live on Broadway. I remember in 2001, I had the, I bought the DVD and I was like, this is it. I said, I got to, this, like I was hooked, you know? Um, but yeah, those are the two. And then later on, Patrice O'Neill. Uh, but those are the guys I think like I'd want to hear. I think a lot of people, we'd, we'd love to hear them now, you know, more than, more than ever. Yeah. So those three at the top of your head are some of your biggest influences, the ones that made you want to pursue comedy. Absolutely. That's awesome. Absolutely. Do you remember how old you were when you attended your first stand-up comedy performance as a spectator, a fan? Oh, who did, who did we see? Who did we see? Oh, I think we went to, it was the prom. <laughs> I the think prom? we went to somebody, we saw there were tickets to a show for a prom. And it was like a, a the club and then a prom and then, oh, the, I'm sorry, the prom and then the club. Well, like, where the hell do you go? You go to like a you go you have the prom and then you go to a club. Yeah, the prom. Right. Then you have I guess yeah the festivities after where the hell Did that I is. Doing yeah, something. After party. Oh wait, yeah. was that? I think an, I think an, an ex girlfriend of mine. Uh, I think a, her prom. They went to a stand up show afterwards. That's I think that was cool. the first time I actually went. God knows who was there. We were we were eighteen and ripped. Yeah. You know? So I don't remember any specific performer. But uh, I think that was the first expand, and I think I saw Wayne Brady. I think a couple of years after that, but specifically who was there, I don't remember. So even back then, so you were saying this was around the end of your high school years. You said and talked about your first stand-up performance at an open mic was years later. That night you're talking about, did you know back then that young, oh, I still wanted to be a comedian? I wanted to perform. So I you knew back then, like, end of high school, I wanted to perform? I definitely wanted to, and I would always see the people and sing. You know, and, and I, again, didn't have the guts to do it. But then once I got into college, I was so to, to harking back on the stand-up, right? So I was like, then the stage, I was like, okay, there's stand-up, right? Live. So it's like, that's that's what that looks like. Then I went to college and uh, I went to St. John's and they had a, a theater society called the Stagers. And I remember I walked into what I thought was math tutoring after one of my classes. And it turned out to be an audition for uh, Damn Yankees. So some someone had ran up and said, "Are you auditioning for the for the stagers?" And I was like, "Yeah." And they were like, "Oh, come along." And then I was like, "No, I'm here for for math tutoring." And they were like, "Oh." I was like, "But I'll audition." And they were yeah. like, "Oh, great." And I ended up auditioning. I got a, a role and then that was that that started the uh nice. You know, 
taking a dip in the toe into the into you know nice dipping the toe so into it. You're saying you're also an actor and a writer. Yeah, mixed in with the comedy. Yeah. So in terms, of, let's talk about acting gigs. Your experience with that. So when did you get your first acting gig? Um, I had a coach years ago, uh, uh, 2010, 11, when I first started, like after the, the last comic standing thing that didn't go well. Gotcha. So I was like, okay, I've always like ping pong between stand up and, and acting. I was, I get all these things come by chance and people always ask, oh, how do you get into acting? You know, mm -hmm. how do you do this? And no, there is no way. And no one ever tells you a way. No. So I'll just, I'll tell you exactly how I did it. And I'm, because it, it's all by chance. So I remember I was in the DMV for, um, oh my goodness, what was it? No, it wasn't DMV. It was jury duty. And I was talking to a fellow on the left of me and he goes, we just started talking about a movie. And I said, you, you seem like an actor. And he goes, he goes, I am from this guy. We spoke for, for the whole duration. This guy gave me a number of his acting coach. I believe her name was Angie Montabano. And I went for lessons and she was, at again, at first it was a, a process, but she goes, after a couple of them, she was like, you know what? And this is how I knew she was right. She said, I'm not going to take your money anymore. She goes, it's ready for you to, to go on audition. She goes, you're ready. And I was like, that's, I thought that was pretty, she goes, you come back that if you need. That is pretty cool. So I was like, yeah, she, I knew she didn't just want to be about the money. She yeah. was come back in like a year or so. So I was like, okay. And I did it for a couple of months. And then I started going on auditions and I started doing some stuff. I had a little bit, first you start with extra work, you know, mm -hmm. when you start, and extra work is really your, you're a fern with, you know, you're pretty much a fern. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. with no line, just stand there. They'll put place you and, and make you look how you want to look. And you always hope that, oh, maybe he'll give me a line. Very, very rare. Almost yeah. never happened. Never happens. So you do extra work for a little bit. And then I started doing, you know, little bit parts and you do student films and little things like that. And uh, I had little small parts of the Law and Order and Blue Bloods, I remember. And then uh, I ended up, I, then I, had, I, would, I, I would have a lull. I'd go from like stand-up and I'd go back to acting. And whatever one based on my schedule, because I always worked 100 jobs. So if I worked days, in the daytime, it was easier to do stand-up because my nights were free. Yeah. If I ended up working nights, it was easier to go on auditions during the day because auditions are usually during the day. Mm -hmm. And you go back and forth. The the biggest, one of my proudest achievement, achievements in acting, and there aren't many, uh, I, was re I was in a production of uh, an off-Broadway play of Napoleon. And I played a, a like three different roles, and I had to do two different Russian dialects, and it was on. It was, it was like crazy. And I was working midnight, so I would then I would have to go and do, do a. a I would work midnight, then I would go rehearsal and try to sleep, then go straight to rehearsal and go straight to work again. And you know, it was a it was twenty eighteen. It was a great experience. That's, that's cool like, that you have that the wide range of experiences. You did some acting stuff, like yeah, before the pandemic. I was saying before the episode started, I signed up for backstage, like. 2019 first started and like I got like one job as like extra and I did like two student films right before the pandemic hit. I haven't been able to do anything after that, but going through the whole process, trying to get headshots done, I got that and like up submitting and updating your profile and even just going on a couple of things. I've only done one extra and like two student films. It's a really interesting process. It's cool. And I work off Broadway, like I freelance as an audio engineer. So like helping set up. Right. But it, it's, it's cool. It's like, I yeah, I feel like even just a few experiences I got with like, let's say backstage or student films. Yeah, they are valuable. It's like stepping stones. Absolutely. There's things that you have to, you know, you, everyone goes through, I feel like the same process. And there's always a, everybody has a tale just like, just like what I just said, you know, yeah. it's, it's all through chance and then who you, it's really who you know and how much you strive and where you go. But fluctuating schedules sometimes dictate mine, yeah. which is good and bad. You know, yeah. if you have one, clear vision and one clear goal it's easier to attain it me i'm all over the place <laughs> which yeah. is why you, you go you move up in increments and you're never really going straight towards you know your your one goal because your goal is always changing <laughs> you know it's yeah. a problem of mind that i have to i'm fix. like that with something too i'm not gonna lie you know in this day and age though <clears throat> 2021 going into 2022 do you think as a comedian is it more important to Perform live as much as possible or just focus on good content for social media? Oh, such a question. <laughs> it's such a it's such a valuable question. It's nice and loaded. And I I wish we had a uh, I wish we had a great answer for that, but I'm not I'm just gonna have more pointless babble. Uh <laughs> let's cause I, I go back and forth with my my friends in comedy too. 
at one point, I, we thought that everything online, who cares? You have to be in the clubs and they have to see you and you have to be performing. Clearly, this past two or three years, especially with TikTok, you can be absolutely no one and blow up on and on TikTok. Yeah. And now you're getting, these are people that are, God bless them. And this, don't let me come off as like, they're not real comedians because if they, if you're working, you're a comic. You may not have as, as, as much experience as, as some of the rest of us, but if people like what you do and you, you're making people laugh, you do it. And I'm another, there's another thing I will say. A lot of people always like, oh, you know, they're not even, and this is, I know because when I was younger, this is how I felt. And then we get older and we start to mature and we go, there's enough for everyone to eat. Like there's enough for everybody to still reach their dream and their goal. You know, naturally we go, you know, you're always looking and saying, oh, what are they doing? What are they doing? But never blame yourself because of someone else's success. It means that you just have to work harder. Getting back to the the, the content or, or stage performance, I think it's a mix of both. Some things work better for other comedians. I know like impre impressions are huge. I can do them. I've I've gone vi the only I've gone viral last year from the the Governor Cuomo impression, that was I'm doing this almost ten years that blows up. It's e they're 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 easy for me to do. I don't want to be totally about them. You know I know yeah. I could easily get to a certain spot, but I have feel like I have so much more. And not to say anything about impressions because it's incredibly hard, and you can even there's there's guys that are doing them great. They work them into stories. They have them all talk to each other. It's it's fantastic. But I feel like I have so much. I have I have other stuff. I have like yeah. I, if you would see my apartment, I have papers everywhere. It looks like a thousand phone books. Remember a phone book? Remember phone books? Yellow remember, pages. The yellow page. It looks like phone books exploded all over my apartment. Yeah. And I, I have between stand up and recipes and 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 a play I'm writing that that still go. Like I get like again, you got to pick a path. <laughs> this is all my my problem. Yeah. I think some some people have the same thing. Pick a road and stick to it. Yeah, and, even with music and producing, like yeah, you um I used to think too like performing matters more. Meeting people, how they know you, like it's all about who you know and how they know you, but content some people just blow up and they have never performed and that's not a dig at all like yeah whatever works works so much has shifted in the last couple of years and how fast it's so wild and isn't it it's fascinating like what makes something go viral and it seems like when you're not trying at all something random will just blow up something like right something with the algorithm sometimes it just it pops just pops and like the harder you try it's like it goes nowhere sometimes you yeah that's that's 100 percent. sometimes you're you're right you're churning it's, it's them out fascinating it's like and and it, it, what's what's it's it's crazy because a lot of times you'll put so much into one, and if for whatever reason it just doesn't do well, you know that yeah. whatever video, whatever content that was, it doesn't do as well as you thought. That was the time you posted, and it was the, who, who your audience. All these was. little things matter now, but I feel like ten years, like it was the wild west of social media, like ten years ago. Where now, yeah, it's it's so much more calculated. Like uh, if you want to have good engagement, only post between like eight to. One o'clock. Check your audience. Do ads. Well, because everything is so, so saturated. Yeah, everything yeah. is saturated. I feel like the word should be because it, not only are you compete because not only people are competing with TikTok is competing now with major motion pictures. People don't want to sit through a movie anymore. You know, I love the record movies. labels are breaking artists because through TikTok, it's like that's right. People are going viral on that, and that's having so much power compared to maybe things that didn't even work five years ago. It is. It's fascinating. Right. It, it's totally changing the landscape. Like, it, not necessarily good or bad, just now it's just, it's another layer. Like, you know, exactly. it's, it's another part, uh, uh, layer of almost competition. It's an added dynamic. It's not good or bad at all. It's just like digesting it and learning from, learning from it. It's like, okay, like this now is added to the repertoire. Like you have to educate and understand right it is it's fascinating yeah, and you can do re and, and people are, you know used to have to have a uh well the the acting you you've done it they you have to have a reel you know yeah your headshot was i one. have none yeah i do yeah. so many it's like it says like oh video reel like require materials i don't right. have it yeah. so i get like voided from the application i'm like fuck I it'll yeah. but you know what you'll now with everything how it how it goes you can make your own you That's true. Shoot your own scenes. They almost don't even ask for. Sometimes they don't ask for reels. They'll literally just look you up on your Instagram, see what you've done, oh, wow. and then they that's they cast point. they cast off for of that. It, it's it's that's what I mean. It's it's gone so it's so crazy how things have shifted. And don't get me wrong, they still add people, but still absolutely still ask for reels. But I've had I've booked jobs where 
I've gone to send them an email, them my, my reel, and they go, we, we've we've seen enough. We can't, we, and they cast you off of what what you have posted. So that's why it's it's very interesting, like what you post and what you keep on. I guess like that's why some people use their Instagrams as, as almost like a resume. You know, yeah. you're, you're more careful of what you put on. It used to be just pictures that you would take. You know, like oh, I'm outside. Yeah. I'm taking a trip on the plane. You know, like here's and my you had cat. The nice and, eight filters. Right. X, my favorite was X Pro Two. It looked a little little, little angsty. Oh yeah, like late seventies, little film noir, like some Grand Theft Auto looking inspired filter. Yeah, and now you get so many options. It definitely uh, it's come a long way. The gram, the gram, as the, the gram. kids call it. Yeah, the uh, gram. But moving on to we're talking about content and with that, so you mentioned briefly, let's talk about your social media profile with cooking. Joe makes, was it Joe? What is the handle? I'm sorry, I'm butchering. Right, Joe so that, makes me cook or Joe? Yeah, the, the, my my main handle is, is Joe make me laugh. And then I also have a cooking one, Joe make me cook. I should have just had two uh, all in one, but I tried to, I figured I'd doing research on these sites, seeing yeah. what which was best. Yeah. Other people that are in tech would said you should have a separate one. Now I don't know if that was such a good idea, but this is a couple of years ago. So Joe Make Me Cook is recipes that I try to put comedy into. So it's it's which not nothing brand nothing new, but my own take on it. I'm also writing a, a cookbook. So here we go. You know, it's That's Joe. awesome. Yeah, what let's else talk are you doing? It, yeah. Do you make shoes? Do you paint bridges? Your comedy, your stand-up. What else are you going to do, Joe? How much can we fit within this 10-minute interview? <laughs> like, that's that's the thing. So yeah. it's like literally you have to – if I pick something and stick with it, I'm sure I'll – it'll it'll oh, things start opening up when you go. But because I bounce all around, but that's me. You mean do you think if you really honed in on like one or two things, you just – Maybe not the shoom as much as – the the classic definition like because what is what is working? I guess you're right. Money. Yeah. So like yeah. that's the other thing. People go oh, like you make it. I think we're making it now. I think as long as you have a breath in your body and you're doing what you like and to yeah. do, I think you you. It's all part. It's the journey. It's not the destination. Whatever the hell the sign is on Target, but yeah. it's it, it's truth. These corny things. There's dude. Truth listen, to. Target. I we used to shine it. To. Target's got some real motivational shit that we take for granted. Live, love, and laugh. Those fucking dorm, the dorm room decor is coming back 2023. Don't fucking sleep on it. <laughs> you know? All right? Everyone hates to say it, but that's really that all you need. That is a good point, though. Like, as long as you're healthy, it's like, especially after what's transpired. But so, the, the Joe made me cook. So, you started this two years ago. So, what made you want to start that? Do you love cooking and just fusing it with comedy? Absolutely. I love cooking. Do you exactly. make a mess of your kitchen when you do it? Uh, I try to clean as I go. What's I your favorite to... dish to cook? Oh. Um, I got eggs. I I love soups. I love macaroni. Any type of pasta dish. So any yeah. kind of sauce. Pe you know, there's pesto. There's there's uh, uh, just uh, just a plain marinara sauce. Is it gravy or is it sauce? Is a is a common uh, 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 question that constantly one. comes up. I'll. <laughs> there is no record. This is what I say. Yeah. I say if there's no meat in the, in the the gravy, it's a sauce. Like a marinara sauce is just yeah. onions, tomato, and basil. That's yeah. it. Once you add. Uh, once you braise any type of meat like pork or sausage or, or uh, meatballs, then it becomes a gravy. Uh, yeah. Everybody else can have a different uh, interpretation. You're to that. Nothing wrong with that. Of course. Well, well, that's that's the right way. That's, <laughs> that's how it goes. No, no I'm joking. Yeah. Everybody has something different. But traditionally, in in my household and many others, uh, gravy would be the addition of meat. You know, yeah. and then there's brown gravy, and then there's Sunday gravy. I agree. You know? That's how it was. That's how my um, grandmother was. Yeah, yeah. Right. That's so. So that's what. But the 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 cooking page is. It's like all right. So I wanted to combine the the comedy and the cooking, and I have something cooking up. <laughs> Excuse the pun. <laughs> Excuse the pun, but um, something that was smooth. Up there was that go. was smooth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You try. We'll see what happens. You try, you succeed. That was good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I have something, something, uh, uh, another coal in the fire that I'm going to try and get out soon. But it's it's from there. That's how I got the a role on um, uh, the cooking show uh, Dismantled. That was on um, it was on Quibi. Yeah. Now I think wrote Quibi went down <laughs> Quibi didn't last too long so i think roku picked up like the top shows unfortunately i was very, very grateful that uh dishmantle was one of the ones they picked up so I, I don't know if they would do another season or whatever or they would have me back but it was a great experience i didn't win i lost on one ingredient which was really funny but uh that's not was, like a close that's not a close call though close competition it was it was very close it was very that's close. cool though it's but i'll tell you the 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 pressure of cooking in those situations you know like we always watch it was a it was oh, like I a hybrid imagine. of chopped and uh and something else actually they they shot you with a cannon full of food 
Okay. They put you in like these hazmat, you know, back to the future plutonium suits and you're blindfolded and you have earplugs and all you could do is taste and smell and they shoot you with a, a cannon full of food. That is a cool premise. And then you have to taste it and then you have a half hour to make it. Oh, just wow. like that. So based off your sense of taste, what you think it is, then you just got to. You have to write down the ingredients. They take your hose you off and then they clean you up and then they go and then you oh, have wow. to go make it so a lot harder than it sounds it's like a, it's like a cooking action show it was adrenaline incredible. cooking action show it was incredible that does it's sound a, pretty cool uh, uh, dish, dish mantle this is a great plug uh <laughs> i love the show come have me back on i'll do i'll win no. yeah, yeah yeah hey listen why not right no, it was it was, it was it was it was it was fun. Everybody that involved was, fun. Was, a, was a was a lot of fun. My competition, I still talked to. She was great. It was great. Everything was great. Everything. That's was great. pretty cool. So also, have you done some work with Adult Swim? I did voices for Adult Swim. Uh, What's it like being a voiceover artist? That's something I've been interested in as well. You know you what, Sean? That. I wish I knew. I wish I was. No, <laughs> I, I I I so from probably from the impersonations and from the comedy they got me. Yeah, but yeah. Voiceover work is is great. It's from what I see. <laughs> I wish I got to get into it. It seems like it pays really well for this, <laughs> you know, yeah, just yeah. doing voices. But uh, somebody reached out to me and then asked to do because uh, they saw a Pacino impression. And they the actually, one at the resort, I saw that a couple days ago. That was hilarious. They that had was a, good. They had it at, at the resort. Oh, no, the one with the beach background. You talk, you had that oh, on Instagram. Oh, oh, yeah, it was on my honeymoon. And I, I saw like, that one. Just, that was good. Let me just do something. But, I was, but they ended up finding a. Uh, some of the because I do them on stage. Sometimes I would close them out on stage, and uh, and they liked it. So I was like, you know what? If it's good enough to make Adult Swim, at least I have something. Yeah. You know, I, if, if it stunk, I don't think they would they would have me. But uh, I'll tell you, Sean, I'm not really sure if this is going to work out. Uh, but I like it. I like the space. <laughs> that was good. Uh, that one <laughs> shot. Uh, what else you got? <laughs> no, that's good. So. Talk, so okay, what we talked about the dismantling, even with that. What, oh yeah, so recently it was in October. You did a performance at Uncle Vinny's Comedy Club in Point Pleasant, New Jersey. You did the live album with what? Um, Laughing uh, Button. Laughing Button, Button Records. Laugh Button. Button Records at Uncle. It's Uncle Vinny's Comedy Club, right? I, yes, I believe so. Yes, uh, it was Uncle Vinny's Comedy. That was the club they filmed that, and it was through Laugh Button Records. That sounds awesome. So, yeah, let's talk about that performance and recording a live comedy album. What's that like? That was very cool. It was uh, so. There you go. So there's these are little things that you know. Just who knows what where they where they go? But everything you do, you end up you see whether it has a tremendous effect or sometimes they just fizzle. But it was exciting nonetheless. It does sound uh, exciting. Somebody reached out to me because I have a predominantly clean act. You know, I too many. Can you curse? Can you curse in this? Probably yeah, not. yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah, you can curse. Uh, a friend of mine has an expression: "Too many fucks make the sauce less spicy, or the soup less spicy." I forget. Uh, but it's it's. It, which is true, you know. You have if every word out of your mouth is a curse word, yeah. there's very few that pull it off, you know. Like, like dice is a fantastic example. He's, he can do it all day. You know, everybody loves dice, but uh, you know, some people just don't want to hear it. And also, it doesn't pack as much of a punch, you know. And not only curse words, but just everything. But I have a predominantly clean act. So from there, that got out to from one uh, uh, one club owner reached out to another one, and they they gave them my name. I submitted my uh, my my set, and they were like, "Yeah, it was great." So they'll it's a, a an album with a couple of other comedians. So I have a couple of tracks on this album, and then they'll pitch it to SiriusXM. Like because I Sirius XM is made up of I think the the stations on XM. It's, I think it's um, Raw Dog and then Laugh USA. So yeah. they'll pitch it to one of them, and uh, if they like it, they can pick the entire album or individual tracks. Hopefully they pick mine. If not, hey, you hit the, <laughs> you try again. But that's how the that's how that works. So when I don't know how when they'll finish with it or when it's done or, or yeah. when I'll find out. But so it's submitted to some of the um, the comedy based channels on in Sirius, right? Right. Oh, so that's we, awesome. Yeah. So we filmed, we we shot it, we filmed it. They uh, they recorded everything, then they chop it, chop and channel it up, and yeah. uh, we'll we'll find out. That is pretty. But cool. it was it was it was nice to see. Um, it's a it's a credit, you know. Yeah. It's a big credit. Oh, it's, yeah. it's, it's a big credit to have. That's a cool thing. From what they tell of. me, from what they say. Yeah. Uh, have you ever performed outside of the U.S.? No, no. Believe it. I don't know why it took so long. Rapid <laughs> fire. So one place, the one place. You could perform anywhere in the world, not the U.S. Where would it want to be? What's top of your bucket list? Japan. Yeah, I'm basic. I'm like, oh, London. But no, I heard Japan's beautiful. It'd be cool to go there. Actually, you know what? London would be cool too. I yeah. went on on my honeymoon. We ran into people from the U.K. 
and clearly my voice, you know, it, it, there's very few places I can be from, you know? So yeah. they were, they were quick to understand that I'm from New York, but they didn't know where Staten Island was. So they said, oh, what? there was a couple we were eating. They were from the UK. And they said, oh, where are you from? And we were like, uh, oh, New York. And they were like, where? And we said, Staten Island. And then she was like, oh, Staten Island. She goes, I didn't realize anyone lived there. And I was like, oh, no, we we do. And she goes, I believed it was part of an amusement park. And I was like, oh, it's, it's certainly yeah. an amusement. You know, but they they don't, they had no idea that it even, it, what, what it was. You know, forget I people forget everything New else. York, they're like, they confuse it with Long Island, which I understand. I, uh, that I can understand. At least it's on the map somewhere. You got to be able to you know? joke with it. It is funny. It sounds like it. But these you know? people had no idea. Yeah. No, and I was, that, which is terrific because they're in for a, <laughs> for a surprise if they ever come. That's a dream. I would love but, to go to the UK. I've only been to Canada, like Montreal. I went in August. That was cool. How I hear it's crazy. It there. was beautiful. I mean, I went in August. Um, it was. It was a beautiful city. It was like, it's like an older city, but the places were cool. I, did, I took a road trip up there. It, it was nice. It was really nice. I would love to go back. Okay. I would love to go to just Europe. You know what I mean? I would check out Canada. Canada seems fun. Eh? What was your most memorable performance as a comedian? What is one that just sticks out? Oh, my. Uh, I did. Maybe none of them are top, but I have a couple of second tier ones that I, I, I really think of. I think, oh, uh, opening, for, um, opening for Bob Nelson. Who was a a big name? Used to be a big name. Had a bunch of HBO specials, and in the, in the, he's he's hysterical. Uh, Bob Nelson, I did, uh, Vic DiBattetto, um, and then most recently, I would I, th- probably this album now, which which would be cool. Uh, and then just sharing the stage with with others you run into. I don't know. I guess the the, the opening for Bob Nelson, who I used to watch also as a kid, and then this this. Newest album was pretty cool. That is pretty cool. The newest album's first <laughs> album, which I have. That does sound really cool to be tracks. a part of. <laughs> when it comes to booking a show as a comedian, how does it work? Is it similar? Because I'm th- like, you know, I only know like when I've been in a band booking a show as a, in a band. How do you book a show as a comedian? Do people reach out to you? Do you have to like send an email to a club promoter? It's depends on what you do. You have to if you produce your own show, you can easily. You can rent out a place and book. So I produce, usually we try to do two big shows on the island a year. Uh, other, sometimes guys do, you know, several smaller shows throughout the year, one a month, you know, one every two weeks. But that's harder to get a crowd. And also how do you turn out that much new material? Uh, we try to, comedy friends of mine and, and I, we try to do two big shows on the island uh, a year. Or, or, or We used to do one every season. COVID kind of whacked it. But um so you got to, how do you do it? You have to, if you don't get called or booked through somebody else knowing you or, or hanging around the club, someone sees you, you go talk to, it's all networking. If you're going to do your own show, you have to rent out a place. Mm-hmm. Then, so we would do, you're literally helming the whole thing. And it's a lot, it's a lot of work. You either pound the pavement in the clubs or you produce your own show and then invite club owners and agents and stuff to come to your show. Oh, you mean and so you, you rent can, out the venue? You can and you rent get out a the venue, buzz. right? So I, you you can do uh, you rent out a, a stage. We did see at College of Staten Island uh, two years ago. We did that was that was a cool experience. Uh, um, we we would do uh, uh, you know bigger restaurants that had uh, somewhat of a stage uh, uh, somewhat of a stage in, in the back, you know. But then there's all different. Th- so you you're calling the club owner, right? You're, you're making, you're setting up the time. You, I make flyers. I literally print out flyers and then bring them to the banks. I bring them to, you know, the mall. I bring them to place. I go, Hey, can you, can you hang this in your storefront window? If they say no, Hey, can you hang it in your, in your, you're like your own street your break team. room? Right. Yeah. So you, and you have to pound the payment. I'm, yeah. I would do the biggest things I do, which we would get a lot of people is if we, when we're doing a show in the spring, I, I hit up all the bakeries. I put a flyer right on the windowsill. Oh, I, I asked them, obviously. You asked the bakery to put the flyer on the windowsill, windowsill right before Easter Sunday. And people that line up down the block, I would hit every telephone pole around the block because on Easter, you know, day before Easter, Easter, there's people line up for bread through the roof. So That's they, a they, really they, cool idea. I so never they, thought of that. They're definitely going to see. So that's whenever I did a show in the spring, that was a given. But then you just, you, you, you got to, you're your own marketer and you got to, you know, set the, you got to get the talent and you got to get the rest of the comics. It's a lot. It's yeah. a lot to do. But the payoff is great. I, I'm able to, we, we sell out, fortunately, we sell out every show we do. 
uh, we started doing at the the Looney Bin. That was the other thing where we started the Looney Bin on Staten Island, the uh, Staten Island's Comedy Club. But there was another one on Noodle Plane. I forget. There was one on Noodle Plane. I forget what it was called. And then there was another one I think called Grandpa's, which people tell me about. I was too young for it to even exist. But when older people ask me, "Oh, did you ever perform there?" I go, "I was in diapers. I have no idea." That's uh, cool. I think it was. I didn't even Grandpa's. hear about these. Yeah, but I heard, yeah, I heard there was so many great clubs. But yeah, no, it's it's. It depends on what you do. It's better to be in the, you know, you either invite agents to your own shows or you, you, you got to be in the clubs and, and, you know, and yeah. try and open, doing your, your open mics of practice. When you but, write jokes, I'm not a comedian at the moment. <clears throat> so I love asking and trying to learn, like as an outsider, how does someone write jokes? Is it like a story? Is there an intro, middle and conclusion for you? Do you prep and write it down, or is it just improv? You record, then hash out later. How does it work? Usually, you get an idea. everyone's different. Depends on your style of comedy. I try to. I write the way I write is I write everything. Some people just have small jokes. Some people tell you know joke punchline joke punchline. I'm more of a storyteller. The problem is, I write. I'll fill a notepad here, and then I have to cross out and edit and then rework it. So I'll write pages. I'll write three or four pages and go, okay, this is filler. This is too much. You try to do it in the least amount of words possible. Telling a story that could be, you know, daunting, but it the payoff yeah. is huge. Then having a callback to try to reach. But, you know, when you mention something in the beginning, you, you bring it back to the end. I, I try to make everything a, um, somewhat of a tale or a story, almost like, a, which not, makes sense, I guess, because of the, the acting background and stuff like that. But some people... Some people I know, friends of mine or, or guy I write with, he'll write just a little bit, and then we have to stretch it out. I write so much, and then we have to chop and channel and cross out. But everybody has their process, and you have to write it down as soon as you get it. So as yeah. soon as you get an idea, I keep cutting you off. As soon as you get no, an idea, you're not at all. No, no, no. You 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 either write it down on your phone, you make a voice memo, and you write them because you'll never you go oh, I'll. I'll rip Write it down later. You'll never remember how it comes to you. I forgot. I have then. too many voice memos, years in the making, where I don't even know I have them because I forget everything. Any idea, I just try and get it in there so I don't forget, but then I forget I had them. And I have like new recording 1178. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like, I do, but it's label them. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, I just get, get, so getting married, which was nice because now my wife, my wife, that's just Oh, congratulations, sound. by the way. Yeah. It sounds so weird to say. Uh, uh, thank you. Thank you. Congratulations. Way. But it's great because now she's like, okay, well, one, we're not living like this anymore. So I was like, it's a, good, it's a good point. I have a system, you know, organized chaos with shit everywhere. But she got me one of like the, uh, the little cardboard um, yeah. filers, you know? So it's like, okay, great. Because now I can actually take all of this stuff and put you know, different types of jokes. And you, I go from my, well, me, I have like cooking stuff and like stuff with my play and stuff like with the uh, comedy. And then, um, then you have to go into like different jokes. I'm like, you just categorize everything. So it's easier. Mm -hmm. I had organized chaos, but then I'll find a joke that I wrote a year ago and go, oh, I totally forgot about this. Yeah. So. Would you say your comedic style is cinematic or more minimalist? I guess cinematic. Minimalist would be more of a, Maybe like joke punchline, joke punchline, you know, almost like like a Dangerfield esque. Which not that he wasn't, you know, he was he was another master, the master. But I feel yeah, I I, I guess cinematic, yeah, because I I guess I'm telling a story, you know, I'm trying yeah. to I'm, I'm I try to paint a picture, you know, yeah. So it puts you into like the my own little world, so to speak. Um, it is he cool to hear the different styles, like and how because you talked about your unique background you're talking about, you know, with the off-Broadway performing, you've been experienced as an actor, a writer. That's why I mentioned cinematic because those are really unique experiences, tying it all together. Right. Sounds like a cool well, mixture. It's, you know what it is? And then here, here's the other thing. Stand-up is the one, one, the one thing where you are the, the writer, the, the director, the, the, the actor, you know, everything is yours. You're, you're not mm -hmm. bouncing off of anybody. You're, you're your own direction. You're, you own the stage up there. So I guess that's the that's the appeal uh, uh, from my perspective, but from everyone's. You know, it's it's you run the show. So it's it's you know yeah anything goes. So when it comes to performing and developing a set, do you mostly do 15, 30 minutes? It's how long does it take as a comedian to hone in on a thirty minute set? Well, I mean, I could take take forever. I mean, it, it depends is it like on, an album, like how musicians make albums? Is is it like that? Usually, you don't set out to write a thirty minute set. 
usually a 30 minute set is is uh, th comes together over time of jokes that you have certain that you can have certain segues and transitions to i tend to write 15 minute or 10 minute pieces which all well and good but when you're <clears throat> when you're getting into clubs a lot of times they give you a tight five, you know, where we're thankfully a little past that now. But when you're first starting, yeah, the most you get on at clubs is a tight five. I heard that you with can't. late night spots, like if whenever comedians do late night television, like yeah, you have like five minutes. They, yeah, they get they really they'll give you, you know, that's how everybody starts. They give you a tight five. So you have to be able so that's no warm up. You can't do any crowd work. Sometimes you gotta go straight into it, or you do crowd work and you have two minutes of jokes. Uh, excuse me, my I have oh probably an hour to an hour and 15 maybe of like real polished and then like another half hour of stuff that's almost done like three quarters of the way done and but this is over and that that's using older stuff too you know and then you know what once the joke when do you retire a joke is another thing that sometimes somebody says i usually it's like once it gets out there so i never had it i mean this out if this album goes goes out then I'd be able to retire a good half hour of, of stuff that I have. But as far as what, how to create a half hour, it usually comes to you in bits and pieces. You'll write a, you know, a two minute, a five minute, a seven minute, and then you, you segue them together. I got gotcha. you. And you try to piece them together for your half. I mean, so I guess so some guys could write a full half hour, you know, like some of like the big, like big guys can write like a big half hour all in one shot, which you know, I'm sure I have, yeah. I'm sure they do. But for, for me, it's, it's usually a bunch of themes, excuse me, a bunch of themes okay. that, uh, uh, I, you, you kind of punch together, you know, where they somewhat can be cohesive enough to, to yeah. work, to flow. It's like bringing them all together. That is cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. In terms of you as a comedian, what are your biggest aspirations? Do you just want to perform? Do you want to get involved with, let's say network television and or movies? I'd love to. Yeah. I would love to. It's, it's, um, I'll take whatever I can get. Yeah, <laughs> I'll take whatever cool. I whatever I can get. You give me a stage, and 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 I'd love to. You know, I have a, a, that's the the biggest thing is is just finding what is the best avenue to express. Yeah, you know, is it like? And you brought up that question. You brought that up before. Is it? Do I do it on on TikTok? You know, do I do it on social media? Do I continue renting out you know stages and small theaters and stuff like that and, and do little stuff? You know, if it's a if it's a race to the top. You know, it, it, that can that can almost stifle your creativity, you know, trying to always be to the top. Well, how do you what do you do getting there? You know, do you, can you just cheap out and, and try to do as much as you can to get you just get the attention like everybody wants the attention just so they get booked? You know, a, a lot of people say, uh, you know, like a race to become famous. Nobody I, I don't think anybody really wants to be famous. I guess some do. But the only reason why you would want a little notoriety is so you, your name is out there. So you get booked, you know, yeah. I wouldn't want to be freaking famous. Who the hell wants everybody yelling at you? But you kind of need it in order to be, you know, uh, to have to be out there, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know? To get to have a, yeah, it may go hand in hand with just building a platform because then it can lead to more opportunities for your career to grow. Right. Yeah. Right. Nobody knows who you are. You're not getting, you're not going anywhere. <laughs> what know? advice do you have to new and young comedians? Write. Write? Write and perfect what you have. And right. keep writing. Keep writing. Like that that's you can never have too much. And sometimes people say, oh, I don't you know, I don't I don't have I don't have stuff. Well, do stuff. Do things. Experience new stuff. Try different food. Go different places. Now you can't really kind of kind of stuck a little bit now in the situation we're in. But uh the more you experience, the more you can have even negative experiences. The more you live out life, the more stuff you'll have to write about. You know, there's sometimes a comedian friend of mine, he's like, I don't have anything new. I'm like, well, what do you do? He goes, I go to work and I come home. And he doesn't want to write about work. So I said, okay, what are you going to do? You know, you have to do things in order to have experiences, whether they're good or bad. Yeah. It's easier to write about something that's bad. Because you can turn into something funny. You know, nobody wants to hear about how great of a day you had. You know, the funniest stuff is when shit goes wrong. You, your shoe falls off. You land in the sewer. You land in the sewer. <laughs> what are you, a turtle? You <laughs> land in a puddle. You know, it's it's the comedy is tragic. You yeah. know, um, but just advice. I don't have any advice. Don't don't listen to me. That is right. good though. Right? Yeah. And the more experience that can lead to more material. 
Right. That's pretty cool. You have to write that if if you're not doing anything out of the mundane, what are you going to have to to um, inspire you? Yeah. To make you know to make people laugh. Yeah. Uh, so what shows do you have coming up heading into the new year? Any tour dates? Any upcoming events? Nothing. Uh, literally not. I don't. I don't think I have. I don't have anything coming up. I'll I'll be doing a show in in the the. <laughs> I'll be doing a show early early 2022 locally on the island probably with people from uh uh that perform at the table over there with donnie teach uh, he has he has a great great repertoire of, of talent not even comedians uh, musicians artists poets uh it's it's a treasure trove of, of talent uh but i'm looking to do something with him and of another friend of mine john elias we always ride together and uh probably a local show and then um We'll see. We'll see where that goes. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to dive into in the new year more of my my cooking aspect. Uh, then again, all the coals in the fire. We'll see which one pops. That is great content, though. It is. That is pretty cool. We'll see. So, what are your biggest aspirations as a comedian? Oh boy, I guess to be you make a little bit more money, make a little money doing what you love, you know. But it's it's. If you ask me wait, wait, which one I'd rather do, I don't know. And I think that's my homework for the evening, to pick a, a gosh darn road. And uh, there's a New Year's resolution, per per perfect, because they never work out, uh, <laughs> to pick something and then to stick with it. So aspiration for stand-up, to, to be booked a, a little more. Yeah. But then again, would I want it? Would I really want it? Would I really want to be on every single night? I think I'd want to be on maybe two or three nights a week, and that's it. That's yeah. it. But Who knows? you can't pick and choose. Yeah. <laughs> so it's I'll take it while I'll take it as I can get it. <laughs> if you could pick one comedian, dead or alive, to share the stage with, who would it be and why? To share the stage with? Who's the top of your list? Dead or alive? Oh my goodness. I I'd either say Carlin or I'd probably say Patrice O'Neill, just probably because he would I'd want to see him roast me first. I think Patrice O'Neill would roast me and then we'd go from there. Colin, it might, Colin would probably roast me too, but it's a very strange question to ask you. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It's a, it's a thinker. You it's know, I, yeah, I, should thinker. Have, I, should, I guess like, who would you want to share like modern comedian? Like, you know, let's say, you know. Maybe like write or, or, or work with. Yeah. I, I, even though like they, you normally don't work together with somebody on stage. And then again, it's have uh, Jerry Martin, Lew uh, Jerry, Jerry Lewis and Dean Martin. Uh, you know, there you go. Perfect team. But uh, yeah, I guess Colin or, or uh, Patrice O'Neill. That's cool. I think cool. that would be the most... Uh, most fun. And like, there you go. Or, or Robin Williams would be funny too, but he would just do laps around me. You know, I'd just stand there, <laughs> you know, and I would just watch him. Yeah. Like I'd be in awe. That's awesome. Well, she last awe. but not least, what else do you want to share with us before we wrap up? What else do you want to promote? Anything? Let us know about upcoming shows and even about your social media profiles and whatever else you want to share. Yeah, I guess, uh, you can find anything that I'm doing lately uh, or, or at any time on my social media handles, Joe Make Me Laugh, Joe Make Me Cook. Uh, that's on Instagram and uh, YouTube. I think it's just Joe Naimoli. And uh, you can you can type that in and even Joe Make Me Laugh will pop up on, uh, on YouTube. And uh, I usually post stuff pretty frequently. You find out what I'm up to, what I'm doing. But that's about it. I appreciate you having me on, Sean. Yeah, awesome. No, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. And whoever tunes in, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Miltrick Media. I'm your host, Miltrick, and our guest, Joe Naimoli, a New York City comedian. Thank you for coming on. I've had horrible posture this entire oh, thing. Could we film this again? We can. <laughs> Come back on whenever. It doesn't matter. But thank you guys for tuning in, and we will see you soon. <laughs> see you.